Enchantment is also what human beings do. Our culture is constantly re reweaving enchantment.、Um, we are culture-making creatures. We cannot stop. Producing enchantments. It was one of the things that I thought was fundamentally wrong with the new atheist case: is that they kept behaving as if, as if belief in something was actually optional and could be kind of deleted yeah, from yeah. the human animal.、Yes. And actually, actually, humans always believe in something. They were like people frantically. Frantically pruning a garden, which whenever they turned their back, burst out wildly <laughs> into kind of vines and and strange trumpet-shaped flowers. Hello there. Welcome to Reenchanting, the podcast from Seen and Unseen at Lambeth Palace Library,、uh, part of the Centre for Cultural Witness. And you can find us at the website seenandunseen.com. I'm Justin Briley, and I'm Belle Tenzel, and we are so pleased today to be joined by Francis Spufford. So pleased. I don't want to gush because that's unprofessional, but <laughs> it's a true joy. I'm so excited. Gushing is allowed. Oh, okay. I, I, I formally I, allow. Can I, can I blush and simper in that case? <laughs> If I can gush, you can blush. I think that's the rule. <laughs> Are you ready for your official introduction? Yes. It's quite long. This is going to make you blush. <laughs> You're going to enjoy this. Okay, that's why I sort of set up the blushing <laughs> in advance. Francis is a celebrated author of both fiction and non-fiction. His award-winning titles include non-fiction works such as *The Child That Books Built*, which I love,、um, as well as fiction such as *Golden Hill*, set in 18th-century New York, and is the winner of the Costa Book Award for a first novel. And his most recent book, *Light Perpetual*, which I also really love. <laughs> Uh, is long listed for their 2021 Booker Prize, and Francis is also a professor at Goldsmiths College, where he teaches creative writing. And、um, the book that I first read of Francis was actually unapologetic back in 2012.、Um, I love the subtitle of the book. I think you started the trend for long subtitles,、um, Francis. Why, despite everything, Christianity can still make surprising emotional sense.、Um, and it was very much a book responding to the anti-religion of the new atheism at the time, but also telling your own story of kind of walking away from faith and returning to it. So、um, we're just fascinated to explore a bit of your story on the podcast today, and to talk about the re-enchanting of reading and writing. So welcome along to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great. We always start this podcast with the same question, and it's fitting. It's because we're on the top floor of a library. So our first question is always: What book is on your bedside table right now? Three. Three.、Um, That's、um, so often the answer, you know.、Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe this will fit the pattern as well.、Um, An early Virginia Woolf novel called *Night and Day*, which has been there for ages, because I'm not sure what I think of it, and I'm going really <laughs> slowly.、Um, a、um, Jennifer Egan's *The Candy House*, which is new and I'm very excited by, it, and which、mm. is a kind of sequel to、um, *To A Visit from the Goon Squad*,、um, and the one I've just finished, but which I haven't tidied away yet, which is R.H. Tawney's、um, *Religion and the Rise of Capitalism*, which is great in a very, very different way. Right.、Wow. Well, there you go. I, I, I think we're probably as we go. Through this podcast, going to find people always have a few books on the go. That seems to be the seems to be the, the trend. The, the trend. I think if you, I think if you like books,、yes. you tend to want to have quite a lot of、yes. them around、yes. at all times. I, I,、yes. I, I had, I, I had a, a stack that developed on my bedside table until it became a bit of a danger. Actually, it might have fell, <laughs> fallen over in the night, and、yeah. and I eventually had to sort of 
get clear them away like because the lean tower of Pisa, exactly the, the, yeah, yeah you were, don't want injured in a book related it was all the accident books i felt i wanted to read at some point but hadn't got around to and yes. i thought well anyway it's lovely to have you on the podcast francis mm-hmm. um i mean reading which is where we've begun has obviously been a central part of your life in fact you know one of your best known books was all about your journey with books as a child um what made you such a voracious reader when you were young? And, and I suppose what made you connect deeply as well with some of those stories you write about, some of the books you write about in The Child of Books Built? Um, I, I think I was, um, I, I probably have been a reading child anyway. I think I've got a, a kind of book-shaped mind anyway. But I was also reading for escape because I had a seriously ill younger sister. So I was particularly devoted to to um books that took you elsewhere so mm. i was partly reading for 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 exit doors from the the difficult things mm. about about daily life um which is probably why for this the whole central span of my childhood the narnia books were kind of essence of book mm. for me because yeah. they they took you away through wardrobes and 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 um and and other kinds of doors and that was that was what i wanted um but I couldn't be reading them all the time, so I read more or less continuously. And I belonged to the generation where the public libraries were in good nick. Um, <laughs> insert angry political fist shaking here. Um, so, um, so as well as buying puffin books with my with my pocket money, which you could do for seventeen and a half p then. Oh, um, I know. Um, I also always had a stack of library books on on the go and the 1970s were were one of those kind of golden ages for children's books that come round on a cycle um there was another really good one in the 90s and i suspect there's another one going on mm. now but but i got i got the golden age of joan aiken and peter dickinson mm. and alan garner and um just as children in the 90s got jk rowling and philip pullman mm. and all of yeah. that good lot um, do, do you still read children's literature in that sense um not as continuously and voraciously as I used to, because <laughs> because other kinds of books have, have annexed sure. my time. Um, um, when my when my younger daughter was was younger, I, I had a very nice kind of renewed burst of serious children's book reading. Yeah. Um, um, kind of in tandem with what with what she was loving. Yeah. Um, and I will never stop reading children's books, but the pace has definitely slowed. Yeah. yeah. I, I I sometimes wonder whether. Do you feel that there's still that sort of that books offer that kind of escape that you experience them as for for young people, given all the other options that are now on the table for for young people? The thing about books escape is that it comes with a with a with a price ticket of of effort. Yes. You, you mm-hmm. have to 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 work your way through the through the doors they represent. Um, so in some ways. In some ways, they can be outcompeted for with by by kind of quicker, louder, more instant things. Um, but they still work for people. Yeah. There are still there are still book obsessed children, and and also not every not every devoted reader starts off as a child reader. This is something I've become very aware of in the mm. twenty odd years since I wrote. No, it's more than that. Since I, <laughs> since I wrote the child that books built, there are there are all sorts of reading careers. There are people who read the first book that really mattered to them when yeah. they were twenty, um, and you love books differently if you start mm. later, possibly with with a less kind of mm. a less driven need for 
for for story. There are lots of ways of doing mm. it. Mm. Thank heavens. Yeah. Mm. Do you think? Just talking about twenty years since the child of books built. Do you think it's time for a little sequel? <laughs> the man that books have just gone just on for building. Bell. Just um, for, yeah, just for me. <laughs> got no vested interest in this question i think you need to write it yourself I mean, I, I, i've i've been extremely determined never to repeat myself often to the annoyance of my publishers who, who and quite, me. quite t- sorry but <laughs> tough basically um the, the I, um i've never written i, I tend to, to now i'm writing novels i tend to kind of block mm. off the end of them so you can't have a sequel um which is mean <laughs> i know but it takes me ages it's to write the things though. yeah readers appreciate that as well yeah. Thanks. I, yeah, I, yeah i mean you've mentioned obviously the novels because there was quite a shift in 2016 when golden hill came out that was yes but it i'd actually been 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 leading up to it gradually there was a sort of shading over middle period because I've always been a been I've always loved novels best as a reader, but I was too too timid to to write them. What, why but, did you feel safe with the nonfiction then? Well, What's no, the I, I, I I thought then, and I still think now that that if if you do it right, nonfiction could be as ambitious mm. and imaginatively demanding and exciting as as novels. But novels are my thing. Mm. Um, I cannot deny. So I was. Um, but they require a kind of confidence in your mm. in in how directly they show off your understanding of mm. of, of human beings yeah. Um, yeah. um to write dialogue is to you know is to say i know what the voices of other people sound like and they sound like this um <laughs> mm. and i i didn't quite let myself do that but i was sneaking in more and more elements of novels more and more imagined bits in some ways when i got to unapologetic and 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 provided a one chapter condensed version of the gospel that was that was my that was my inner novelist at yes, work as yes. well as as my yeah. inner other things um and in the end i reached a book which was exactly halfway between fiction and non-fiction um about russia mm. which had dialogue and invented characters alongside real history yes. in it. and once i'd done that it was like you know a house where you enter through one door and then exit through another and after that i was kind of ready so you, for you had this phased approach and eventually that sounds more planned and strategic <laughs> than it actually was just <laughs> in a... i i i mean i read um golden hill for the first time just last year and, and enjoyed it so much and I, I would have thought this was a seasoned novelist uh, that mm. I was reading. And obviously others felt the same way because you obviously had all these tremendous awards for it being your first novel and so on. I was more of a seasoned reader who knew what he liked yes. and thought, I've been waiting a really long time. So so this book is going to contain all the things I enjoy most in a in a novel. And it, would, yeah. it will have... Mm. Um, the rooftop chase and the trial scene and the 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 um the tense card game for high stakes and um the ball and the the witty badinage and the the love story that may go terribly wrong mm-hmm. um and the mystery and a description of snow because I always like snow um so so I was partly working down a working down a, a long matured wish list of with things. that book wow. yeah is is it a bit like the the band though that put out their first album which has had all this thought and care for years and years and then 
you've got your second difficult album, second album difficult second mm-hmm. album syndrome. Yes. Um, I have a I have a brother in law who is a who is a, a rock star whose second album was actually called Difficult Second Album <laughs> for this for this exact That's reason. Excellent. Yeah, I think so. It, yes. it just faces the problem yeah. straight on. If he um, says it first, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you need to get in. You need to get in with the self-deprecation before anybody else can, can deprecate you. Um, putting my writing teacher hat on, which is not this one. That was a metaphorical hat I was talking about. Um, I always say to people that you shouldn't worry about using up everything that's in your cupboard because because the cupboard of your imagination refills by itself. Yes. So I wasn't, in fact, worried about not no, having anything no. else yeah. to say. Um What I did find difficult about the difficult second album stroke novel um was that you don't, I now discover, you don't actually become a novelist. You learn how to write that one. Yeah. And then you start writing another one and you still have to learn how to write <laughs> this one as well. And yes. the learning process just goes on and on and on. I'm fascinated by the strategies of writing. And of course you teach it. So that's somewhere you you think a lot about how to write. How much do you think that can be taught? And then how much is it just something you've got within you? a gift in your dna yeah um that is a bit of a how long is a piece of string question i i don't all right i know some things i know that that everyone's writing can can improve and that it's very helpful to be to be somewhere on a writing course where your writing is being taken seriously and someone's Mm. expecting you to produce and you're in conversation with okay with other writers um Yes, there is a variation in natural talent, but you can be extremely good naturally and not actually do the work or 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 read enough and it'll mm. still go it'll still go wrong. Mm. Um there is, thank heavens, a large middle ground where where kind of genius is not enough and <laughs> and, and and effort is actually rewarded. Do, do, I, was, so. I was gonna ask, do you do you obviously you're you're a professor at Goldsmith College and you, you teach this stuff. Um how much pleasure do you get from, as it were, seeing others sort of develop those oh, talents and that sort of thing? Enormous, um, because because it's all so different. Books are more different from each other than almost mm. anything else that goes around in the world under the same under the same name. So everything that that anybody is doing is is its own success, and they watching them grow is like a kind of. Um, it's a sort of garden where every single plant is 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 a kind of is a kind you haven't seen before, and up it comes. Um, and sometimes it goes wrong, and sometimes it doesn't go wrong. Um, but I'm I'm not bored yet. Um, some you know some of the connection between teaching, writing, and and actually writing is the other way round. And I have learned things from my students. Mm. Um, yeah. And I partly started writing fiction dared to do it at last because I, I was dispensing all this advice gaily to my students and I thought this is pathetic you're not taking the ad- if you can tell them how to do it then you really can dare to do it yourself <laughs> when when it came to the the child of books built you you obviously had some autobiographical content in there yeah but then you sort of closed the door on sort of what happened after childhood years and you, you sort of opened it up a bit a bit again with unapologetic mm. um in fact, you write that you were an atheist for twenty odd years, yeah. having grown up in a church setting. So, just sketch out briefly what happened. Why? Why did you turn your back on church? Well, I'm going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to respect my own privacy the way, in fact, I did in, un- in unapologetic. Because it seems to me that I mean, to write that book, I, I thought 
I needed to I needed to tell the um, the personal story because faith only makes sense in lives, and unless yeah. you describe where it's happening, it, it's it's abstract. And faith mm-hmm. is never abstract; it's mm-hmm. always seated in in the lives of of, of, of people. Um, um, but I also didn't. I, I, I wanted to out myself as a sinner because I am one, and in fact, so is everyone else, which is which is relieving for the you know, the amal prop. Um, um, but without without leaving a, a kind of sticky trail of embarrassment behind me. Yeah. Um, so what I've what I said in the book is what I'll say now, which is that I made one of the classic one of the classic male mistakes in my in my marriage, and and discovered that. Um, that the that the resources I thought I had for for dealing with serious emotional failure didn't do the job, and discovered instead, to my surprise, that that there was a a mercy I didn't have to provide myself mm. um, waiting for me if I went looking for it. Mm. Um, and of course, one of the places I went looking for it um, was in church because that's that's the way I'd been formed culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my generation church going was a lot more normal than it became later. And I I I, I wonder what happens now in the lives of people who yeah. who don't necessarily think that you know I am in trouble. Mm. Where shall I look? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't occur to them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it occurred to me, and and a kind of assurance of of things being mendable mm-hmm. um, came came with it, and then step by step, um, historic Christianity made sense as well. Um, and what I what I say in an unapologetic is that you know I absolutely recognise that there is a kind of there is an accidental element here. There is the accident of my background. There's the accident mm. of time and place, and the fact that I come from a a culture saturated in Christianity, even though it doesn't necessarily know it. Um, so when I went looking for 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 the divine, the Christian forms were were just waiting yeah. for me, mm. um, available. There is an element of accident in that, and yet my experience was that was that I was at each step cautiously testing it for emotional solidity and truth. I was kind of wrapping my knuckles <laughs> suspiciously on each each piece of Christianity as it was mm. as, as 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 it appeared. Um, Sounds a bit more ungrateful than I actually was, but <laughs> but I, I I don't want to do you know the the, the famous C.S. Lewis most reluctant convert in all England. Oh come on, <laughs> Clive Staples, you undoubtedly weren't the most reluctant convert in all England. That's just that's 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 it's the a good human line, impulse. Though, isn't it, it's it? a very good line, but it, that's the human impulse for drama. And I know I, I know how those work. I'm a writer, um, but I'm trying not to be too writerish about okay. about this. Yes. So. Um, no, I wasn't reluctant. I was, I was relieved and mm. grateful, but I was suspicious and, to some extent, embarrassed, yeah. given that I'm, I'm mm. British and male and of a certain generation. And religion is one of those subjects that mm. comes 
thickly wrapped in yes. layer, yes. tissue yes. paper layers yes. of yeah. embarrassment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I am. Um, I grew up in a family that all went to church. I really relate. So you start the book unapologetic by talking about your daughter. And you said, my daughter's six and she's about to find out that we're embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) because we go to church. And I relate to that so much. I could probably pinpoint the day that I realized my family's a bit embarrassing because we go to church. So I, I, I said, I've said this to you already, but it, it's the book I wish I had written. (laughs) Unapologetic, (laughs) but it's also the book I'm very glad I didn't because you did it perfectly. It needs doing again over and over. And what Unapologetic was trying to do um, is this is this kind of n- n- culturally necessary but never finished task of going, of going. Here's some personal stuff. Yeah. Here's some permanent stuff that comes out of out of history and and, and theology. But here's here's the bridge that turned out to work for me between between um a personal history and a personal story and mm. and this thing over here christianity and and christianity exists in the minds and hearts and possibly souls let's not rule that one out of believers and and it has to be represented and reimagined in every generation and every place yeah. and and every culture and all of i'll say our our meaning christians uh, all of our predecessors did it that's what medieval mm. mystery plays are that's what a lot of those oil paintings are that's mm. uh, in order in order for the the kind of for, for christianity's stuff about eternity to to fit together jigsaw piece wise with 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 now whenever now is people have to do some 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 connecting mm. up um so unapologetic was an attempt to to connect up christianity for that kind of moment full of rather shouting new atheists around 20 2010 yeah. 2012 yes. well about, it so. came very much in the wake of that publishing boom of you yeah. know God is not great. Chris Fitchens, The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins, to roll my eyes. Sam um, Harris, and all the rest of it. <laughs> Sorry to give you palpitations, but the, in a sense, you know, the, there had already been responses. You yeah. know, the Alistair McGraths and the theologians and the, the the apologists, you know, saying, "Well, look, here's here's a rational case." But you, your book was quite different to that, wasn't it? What, what it were was, you trying to do? Mine was ruder. <laughs> it was sweary. Let's, let's, it that was, was the main sweary. difference. Let's, let's yes. be honest. Um, but also, all of those people were were responsible in different ways for more than their own their own take they were speaking from from inside the church yes. they were um they were attempting to answer argument with argument mm-hmm. they were um they were so they were they were hampered in the first place i thought by 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 needing to be to be these these responsible voices. I know the opposite of that is an irresponsible voice. Maybe <laughs> Which mine is was. possibly a good good description yeah, well, of unapologetic. Christianity yeah. has to be wild as well as tame, otherwise it's not kind of comprehensive. It's and, not and real it's, otherwise. Exactly. Is it? it's, um, it's, yeah. um but I mean so 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 I thought there was a kind of tone of voice problem with mm. a lot of the existing yes. replies in that they weren't they weren't free to move fast enough on their mm. on their feet. And if Christopher Hitchens was doing eloquent scorn, there ought to be some <laughs> eloquent scorn and eloquent jokes coming yes. back. I thought um, so. There was there was that, but there was also my strong feeling that the book was um, was was fitting and you know filling a, a, an unfilled need because there was just this basic 
error in the case against religion that was being made and that it constantly treated it as as a as an argument out of out of philosophy or or out of science it was it was about the existence of god as i've said elsewhere surely his most boring characteristic <laughs> um where, whereas um, people do not become or stay religious believers because they they are they are possessed of an abstract conviction about the existence of yes. god they are they are christians or jews or muslims because they they have a strong need for the the the, the love of god and the mercy of god and because they feel that they're getting it mm. um it's an emotional mm. thing mm. it's not really an argument about cosmology and and though the arguments from cosmology or or from evolutionary biology going, actually, Mr. Dawkins, that doesn't follow. Sorry, Professor Dawkins, that doesn't follow, um, were good and necessary. I didn't think that they actually dealt with yes. the yeah. fundamental problem, which is that he was having the wrong argument. He kept right. pulling yeah. religion away yeah. and trying to treat it as kind of some sort of dodgy dodgy inferior-grade science. Yes. Um, and it isn't. It's something else mm. um and i wanted i'm getting worked up and it's, it's been it's been a decade i could calm down now and in fact what i was trying to say at the beginning of this was that somebody else needs to do it again somebody else who's not me because the cultural moment has moved on this is your moment Belle. the new well, atheists I'm, have calmed I'm down yes off you go everything you're offering is proving yourself wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's still in you i can tell the fire still burns <sighs> I'd like to challenge your never repeating yourself clause, if I may. <laughs> you end the book. I talked about the beginning. I may as well talk about the end. You you write that Christianity makes hopeful sense. It makes realistic sense. And it makes, and this is my favorite, battered about but still trying sense. Yeah. And so we're 10, 11-ish years on from that. And if we think about the type of Christianity that's being portrayed it's still that battered about but still trying sense that yeah. is catching people's eye. So I'm thinking about, I don't know if you've read it, but Nick Cave and Sean O'Hagan's book. Have you read that? I haven't read it, but I keep being told I must read well, it. And I and yeah. I, I will. I read I read um I read um a piece about um his um the interview with Rowan Williams, yes. I think. I thought it was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Hope, Faith and Carnage. Hope, Faith and Carnage. Yeah. I recommend yeah. it to yeah. anyone that's listening. And it's because what I would say is that it's an ode to a battered about but still trying yeah. um, kind of Christianity. No, that, is, that will be appearing on my bedside table. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. And it, and it's caught so much attention. Yeah. And also the there's a film out at the moment, an amazing film called Women Talking. And again, it's that, it's uh, if it doesn't, if it seems that if Christianity doesn't make sense in 3D, mm. it's not no. worth it, and yeah. people aren't interested. So what's so interesting is okay, we're ten years, eleven years down the line, and yet people are still craving the exact type of Christianity that that you're talking about—the type that's lived out. Day and, to day. and I think it's yeah. about that voice as well, because mm. I think the reason that there's been so much interest in Nick Cave's book is because he's not necessarily the person people expected to start talking no. about faith yeah. and Jesus and church. And and so it's it's when someone with that voice and you know he can be sweary as well. So, but there's a sense in which it just makes it less tame and sort of you know churchy, and, yeah. and it's just somehow mm. makes it kind of suddenly. I think people realise, oh, normal people quite. believe this stuff. It's yeah, quite, or, also, and the whole range of normal people behave it yeah. too. From, yeah. but believe it too from from from. I mean, rock stars, rock stars, right round the kind of human compass. I think the important thing is escaping from. Um, 
from the constrained tones of voice, the ones that suggest that religion only belongs in some mm. quiet little mm. corner of the human zoo and that it will disappear in a in a in a kind of puff of bad mm. feeling if we raise our voices. Um, <laughs> mm. And you don't have to be sweary to talk about religion. I sometimes regret that I settled on 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 the sweary way of, of disrupting <laughs> the expected tone of voice I in apologetic. I in. I'm glad you quite <laughs> liked it. I quite liked it at the time. But but the result is that's only one way of speaking naturally and 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 it's quite a kind of it's quite a blokey way of, of, of it too and every now and again i meet someone who's disappointed that i'm not in fact quite the speaker in unapologetic <laughs> you're that larry chap i'm that not we seem no i'm to not i'm quite book. polite yeah. and I, I certainly don't swear in churches um but but it was a good enough solution at yeah. the time but there are lots of other ones yeah. too yeah what's important is a natural voice yes, that that, yes. that comes out of experience and is not afraid of the of the hard bits, yeah. which is mm. which is all of the bits of human experience that are that are that can't be wrapped tidily up. And what I hear about the Nick Cave book is that is that is that he found faith in exactly one of those kind of dark pits mm, where yeah. there were no easy answers, yeah. um, um, which is one of one of faith's abodes mm. for mm. those who who find themselves looking for it there. Mm. Yeah, but it can hold carnage. But yeah. the faith and hope can hold and sit alongside carnage. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And can be found inside carnage. Inside as well. carnage. Yeah. Absolutely. You are sort of going back to your writing a little bit in that you're not I, I hope this is fair to say, a Christian writer, as we but you're a writer who happens to be a Christian. And how does that nuance, how do you feel that nuance plays out in your work? And is that an important nuance to keep or actually doesn't really matter? It probably does matter. And to be to be kind of crude and commercial about it, um, it's a help to me to be a mainstream writer who is sure. known to have this weird connection. <laughs> um, Occasionally writes odd books about Christianity. Yeah. 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 Uh, also... This is one of the unfair things about about trying to reply to the new atheist. I could be heard because I already had a mainstream yes. platform, yes. Um, and Nick Cave could be heard yeah. because he's Nick Cave. Yeah, um, sure. exactly. Yeah. Sure. Um, and but one should use these advantages when one has <laughs> when one has got them. Um, uh, it's an it's a neat formula, and I've used it myself. The writer who happens to be a Christian rather than a Christian writer, but. But I think the line is actually really blurrier than that because you write out of everything you understand about the world and faith is kind of basic by now yeah. to, to the way I understand the world and it comes up even when I'm not meaning to put it to put it in. Um, so it's not incidental. Mm. Happens to be a Christian sounds as if it's a kind of optional add-on yeah, for yeah. me and it and it's not. <laughs> On the other hand, it doesn't ever limit my choice of subject matter or, or, or my sense of having a free hand in how to make a book. And it's probably significant that I tend not to write stories about well-behaved Christians yes. trying hard in Christian yeah. communities. Yeah. So I'm not describing the life of faith, except incidentally. What I tend to be describing is, is, is the, the more chaotic behaviour of those whose lives, without them necessarily knowing it, kind of echoes the the kind of the deep Christian yeah. themes. I've I, sometimes thought of myself as being like a person 
with a sheet of paper who's holding a magnet underneath it and you pour the iron filing the iron filings on top of the piece of paper and they go into a shape yes. um and and uh, it's the it's it's the christian gospel under there that's being that's mm-hmm. being the magnet mm. and i find that the stories i want to tell without thinking it through mm. fall into a kind of uh, a kind of redemption shape yes. Um, yes. because of the magnets yeah. I've got underneath the piece of paper. I mean, when I read Golden Hill, I, I, it was just a great read and it's a wonderful way in which you, you kind of tell the story. But obviously I, I noticed kind of as a Christian, yeah. you know, the bits where obviously the, the hero is kind of goes to the church and, and yeah. has those moments of, of kind of grace in this kind of very up and down story of his life. And, yeah. uh, and, and it, it's not, you know, it's not as though the church is presented as some perfect, uh, you know, uh, sanctuary. It, there's judgmentalism. There's, you know, but there's still something about the way that you describe the experience of just being able to be somewhere where suddenly he feels like he can give his problems and his, yeah. you know, the awfulness of his situation over to something else, even for a moment. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just really enjoyed the way that you you weave that in. And obviously, that's not necessarily something who doesn't. Who, who who is writing will necessarily include in their story because they don't have your experience of, no. of that being the way that you've experienced church and therefore you can tell that for someone else. And it's a matter of kind of artistic in, artistic integrity that the story should work even if you are a non-believer reading yes. it and you don't you don't get those dimensions yeah. mm. of it. But but yes, and I wanted to treat the availability of a church in 18th century New York as a natural part of the landscape, yeah. which it yeah. which it was. Absolutely. And I wanted the, the the kind of the chaotic adventures of of my hero, Mister Smith, in New York, to mean that he he bounced into church in a in a um, in a in a state of um, in a state of guilt quite as yes. often as he bounced catastrophically into people's beds in a yes. state of excitement um, yes um exactly yeah um i loved it yeah um okay this is one of the one of the natural fits for me between writing novels and christianity is that christianity is an anti-perfectionist religion um at least the non-heretical versions <laughs> of it of it of it are you can you can um you can you can, let's not go there anyway. Well, but there but, are but other mainstream Christianity around, yes. <laughs> expects human beings yeah. to screw up, yeah. to be yeah. polite about it, so and they, they HTPFU as you thank you. Do, but, um, yeah. I, I, what a good phrase! I must, <laughs> must remember that. Um, um, the I mean, so 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 for me, it it is a a warrant for a kind of for as as universal a sympathy and curiosity as you can manage yeah. about mm. all of the different ways that human lives work out it is not for us to 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 judge or to limit our sympathy when as as believers we don't think god limits his mm. sympathy who are we mm. as mm. pope francis said who are we to judge mm. um that doesn't mean that you you have no moral framework. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't think that some actions are, mm. blimey, terrible. Yeah. Um, but but on the other hand, your human sympathy does not stop mm. um, at some arbitrary arbitrary yeah. brink. And this goes well with novels, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Mm. We have um, Marilyn Robinson coming um, and joining us as part of this series. I'll say that into the camera. We have Marilyn Robinson. <laughs> you have Marilyn Robinson. She will be appearing uh, on a future episode. <laughs> on a future episode. And uh, she said, which just, you just 
teed it up perfectly. She says, I think fiction may be whatever else, an exercise in the capacity for imaginative love or sympathy or identification. And so I think, um, is there something about writing fiction, something about escaping, something about creating and inhabiting a world, something about those iron filings that can sort of help you sort of, you know, uh, the site that hosts this is called Seen and Unseen, can sort of help you enter the world into the unseen, into the more mysterious? Is it a, is writing a good doorway into those things? Oh, it's a very fallible doorway. Um and the unfair thing about writing is that you're allowed to keep your best efforts at sympathy and then delete all the failed, all the failed <laughs> sure, ones. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a highly edited version of, 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 of the, of the spiritual life. Let's yeah, say you get to show yeah. off the good bits and delete the bad bits, which is not actually how the rest of human behavior works. <laughs> um, yes, I think so. Um, um, as well as that, 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 um, remark of Marilyn Robinson's I'm thinking of um, Simone Vile saying mm. uh, um, attention to other human beings as such is love and it's true that, that the effort of looking hard at people who aren't you the discipline of paying attention to people who aren't you is itself a kind of a kind of love, mm -hmm. an ungreedy love, not the kind that wants a return or that yeah. wants anything, yeah. anything from them. And and mystery sits nearest to us in the mystery of the other people in front of us. The people four feet away from me on the other side of on the other side of this table don't have direct access to your mm -hmm. minds, hearts, or, mm -hmm. or souls. I can only get there with with imagination and mm. there is something about the effort of doing that which fits with and maybe if you're very lucky leads to other other kinds of attention but we don't have to do it all ourselves because if you're if you if you are a christian um then you can feel that you can count on god paying attention to 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 us thank heavens our own capacities are not the limit of 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 mm. of, of our ability to to feel or mm. to notice or to understand in some faint glimmering kind of way i mean coming back to the narnia novels that you were sort of captivated by as a yeah. child that's obviously a kind of you know one of those examples of being able to be lost in an imaginary world and sort of you know and so on um and I, I'm, I've, I've always been intrigued by the fact in the sense that, that Lewis kind of started writing children's fiction and that sort of fantasy literature sort of quite late in his writing life. And he started really after his conversion, you know, with the sort of more objective case for Christianity type stuff, you know, mere Christianity, problem of pain and so on. I, and I've heard it said that perhaps he almost realized that there's a limit to what that mm. can do. And actually, it's really the imagination is where the game's at when it comes to inspiring people to think about things beyond yeah. the, the, what's in front of you. Is that something you sort of can see as well? I, 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 yes, I agree. Um, and I think it was probably truer, in fact, to the springs of his own kind of ascent to Christianity. Mm. If I remember rightly, um, the way that, that, that Tolkien finally closes the Christian deal with yeah. C.S. Lewis yeah. is he says, kind of, you know how you respond to stories. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
imagine imagine you know imagine a story that you respond to with you know with whole heart like that only this one happens to be true yeah um it's a story shaped faith when it comes to him and obviously he was a he was very good at arguing he was mm-hmm. a great rhetorician with in some ways a temptation towards the kind of the knockdown argument yeah, yeah. and some of his knockdown arguments I have to reveal don't always hold up if you look at sure. them skeptically mm. but the imagination does yes um and I think that the the turn towards the turn towards Narnia and 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 children's books are they're not a sign of of defeat in argument but I think they are a sign of him recognizing that you you, you go beyond yes. argument where you where you where you offer the story instead I think I think there was an article he wrote for I can't remember exactly what it was I think it was the the New York Review or something and and he 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 had this phrase about it was about you know using literature and imagination and fantasy writing uh to tell effectively religious stories mm. and and he used this phrase I think it was something like um imagination helps us to steal past the watchful dragons yeah. uh, there's this sense in which I think he saw it as a way of of getting past people's defenses, you know, yeah. and and I, again, coming back to yours, I, I feel almost like the way you tried to say, look, let's look at Christianity from this emotional point of view. It sort of says, let's not worry too much at this point about, you know, the, the reason and the sort of can kind of a God really exist in this material universe. And there was a sense in which you appeal to that, whichever one is like left or right side of the brain. I can to never say, remember either. <laughs> this, that this is that there's something holistic about, yeah. the way we talk about god and it's ne- it, it can never be just a uh, a purely yeah um that rational side of your yeah. brain it has to appeal to yeah. this imaginative um, side. i i i am a strong valuer of the rational side of our brains as well and i i think the watchful dragons um analogy is some ways slightly misleading because we need the watchful dragons mm. to to save us from from all of the various frauds impostures and forms of bullshit that <laughs> the world is so rich yeah. um it's just that they, that, you know, there's some things they can't watch for us, and I, yeah. I don't think we need to steal past them, but we need to supplement them with mm. with 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 other kinds of of perception. Um, I also don't like the idea of of outwitting people's defences because I, <laughs> they on the whole they need their defences, um, and. You shouldn't have to, I suppose, oh, heavens. Now, there is Christian warrant for going, breaking in like a thief in the night, isn't there? <laughs> Curses. Um, but um, <sighs> you don't want to be, in a sense, tricking people. No, you uh, don't. Uh, um, but you, you, yes. and, but what, you, what you want is to, is to, hang on, no, we need to, let's, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's pause and distinguish a bit okay, here. There's, there's what you'd want to do if you were doing successful apologetics, yes. that's that's one thing. And there's also what you want to do if you were just attempting to attempting to be as truthful as you could about the world as you as you actually understood it. And one of them is a bit more rhetorical than the mm, other. Mm. Um, now you don't want to trick people, but you 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 want to you want to show the reason for the hope that is in you, as the as the Epistle of Peter says in 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 the New Testament, and. And that kind of showing has got as much to do with with storytelling mm. and with the exchange of of what you have understood and felt, mm. not in the expectation that it will that it will that it will arm twist somebody else into feeling something they're not naturally feeling, but 
but as, as a way of going which is kind of necessary in the modern world there's, there's there are large areas of human life where there are things to recognize where 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 contemporary culture doesn't do a very good job of giving us a vocabulary mm. you know you know those uneasy feelings you have sometimes well actually there are ways of there are ways of talking about them this is recognizable mm. territory mm. you are not lost in an uncharted wilderness where no one has ever been before when you feel when you feel depressed or 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 or, or worthless there are ways of talking mm. about this and and it's an offer it's not a it's not it's not persuasion persuasion implies overcoming yes overcoming a resistance people usually have good reasons for resistance it's a way of going of going this has been helpful to me mm. um here it is mm. yeah. why not compare i wonder if so obviously this podcast is called reenchanting yes um and it's a sort of a pushback not a pushback an acknowledgement and then a response to disenchantment um, yeah. mm. you know from Max Weber and I wonder if part of it is that is you know we're living in this age arguably some would say that we're not but um of disenchantment and stories feelings all of that that can't be measured and it can't they it's not so easily explained and it's mm. not so easily analyzed so I wonder if this idea that we don't have emotional vocabulary for ourselves you know whether religious or just generally and we sort of have lost power in our own stories and the power of those um, or lost confidence in the power of them, sorry. I wonder if all of that is sort of almost a symptom of this disenchantment that we mm. think because we haven't got vocabulary to completely and utterly explain this feeling and put it in a neat box and then present it to the world, we won't present it to the world at all. Yeah. Um, and the same with our stories because they're messy because they involve a bit of carnage and because our, you know, we can't measure the success of them yet, we won't present them to the world yet. Yeah. Do you think that that might sort of be a bit of a connection to that? Yes. Um, I think the world is both disenchanted and also not. Um, mm. I I buy the kind of the argument you get from Charles Taylor's A Secular yeah. Age um, yeah. that we've gone fundamentally from a from a, a from from a world of 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 porous selves where where the air is the air is 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 enchanted and there there are unseen forces all around us to one in which our fundamental model of human beings is a what he calls the buffered the buffered self and the world is 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 lacking in the old kind of 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 enchanted powers um but having said that, enchantment is also what human beings do. Our culture is mm. constantly re reweaving enchantment um, from whatever feelings, uh, whatever materials are available. We're like mm. kind of what are those things? Caddis caddis mm. flies that make their lavas from yeah. from from make, make make their casings from mm. from anything mm. around. We, okay. And we 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 are culture making creatures. We cannot stop producing enchantments it was one of the things that i thought was fundamentally wrong with the new atheist case is that they kept behaving as if as if belief in something was actually optional and could be kind of deleted from the human animal and actually actually humans always believe in something Mm -hmm. they were like people frantically frantically pruning a garden which whenever they turned their back burst out wildly (laughs) into kind of vines and and strange trumpet-shaped flowers um so 
So as I as I said in Unapologetic, I think the choice is really a choice of enchantments. Not, but but the, the enchantments that grow in a world which has been disenchanted in the kind of mm. Charles Taylor or Max Weber sense are are often are often different from the past ones. They're more ad hoc and impromptu and made people think themselves personally. They often the materials to hand are kind of amazingly commercial and have been sort of pushed mm. upon you so mm. a lot of what people feel is most individual about themselves often turns out to be straight off tiktok as far yeah, as i can yeah, see yeah. um nevertheless people are constantly making meaning because mm. we are meaning making creatures so but and, isn't, isn't the argument of the new atheist though exactly well yes and that's where this story of yours comes from Francis. Yeah. and you know, and literally, I can think of the title of one of you know the key New Atheist Daniel Dennett's book was "Unweaving the Spell." It was yeah. literally about disenchanting. My and, point and is that is that if you unweave this spell, another spell mm, will rapidly right. reweave itself even faster behind your <laughs> behind your back. And and I and and J.R.R. Tolkien are leaning into your podcast <laughs> to go yes, but what about a really good story that happens to be true? Right. Um, yes. Um, we can't prove it's true, obviously, but. I, Indeed, and you don't attempt to do that in apologetic. No. You you really are just about saying you're almost making people want it to be true, maybe appealing to their kind. Well, of that sense would be of, the beginning, but yeah. also you'd want it to be. You you'd need to know that you were wanting it to be true, not out of a desire to evade hard truths. You mm. wouldn't mm. want it to be true because you wanted the world to be wrapped in pink yeah. cotton wool, yeah. or that you wanted a happy ever after story, which was inconsistent with the dignity of scientific adulthood mm. um, which is the way I, I think some new atheists take it they think it's wish fulfillment yeah. whereas actually christianity seems more rueful and bruised than yeah. that to me yeah. not wish fulfillment but in some ways a difficult recognition that we're we're you know not the yeah. masters of our own intentions and we don't get to choose what we are exactly mm. it, 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 it's interesting to me that, that in a sense though you know t- 10 or more years on since you wrote that book maybe it did the job because i feel like the new atheists well where are where are these books now i mean justin i'm not sure that was me um, <laughs> it's all Play down to so unapologetic uh, i mean I, I, what no not unless is, i have to own megalomania as well which i'm, I'm really not, I'm not, not going saying to. you were the um, one factor that, that thank you led to the fall of new atheism but but no what i mean really is that it feels like it was a, a moment of its time yeah, and it and and I suppose the question of you is, is, you know, if, if Belle's going to write the follow-up book, what, what is she actually if responding to now? Listening. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what, she res- what, what are we responding okay. to now? It's, we don't have that, that big, you know, phalanx of, of these old new atheists. No, no true. You know, creating this sort of quite neat and tidy, actually, kind of uh, oppositional sort of force. What, what are we actually looking at there? I think this gets us back to enchantment, and I don't want to write your book for you, Belle. Please, um, provide the material yeah. and the endorsement. Okay, the New Atheist moment had a lot to do with, with generations. Um, it, was, it was both a symptom of religion receding and something that could only happen before it had receded the whole way. Because if you look at the generation of people represented by Christopher Hitchens and, and, and Richard Dawkins and co, they were all people who had been formed reluctantly by sitting miserably through school assemblies <laughs> and having to sing All Things yes. Bright and Beautiful. And and they got the last bit of British yes. British kind of public mm. culture Christianity mm. 
and didn't like it very much mm-hmm. and and were were very ready to blame it for for everything kind of um irrational and oppressive and old and nasty in 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 human experience but i think and and they had a younger audience who found it um who found it who found the aggression and the simplicity refreshing and I think most of them could only believe it because they didn't actually have very much felt experience of religion to, to kind of cross-check it against. Otherwise, you'd go, hang on, that really doesn't sound very much like the churchgoers I know. Um, but, but both of those moments have, mm. have passed away. People don't... I mean, it, there's an opportunity and a problem for anyone who wants to talk religion now, which is that, which is that the last bits of of inherited Christianity, I think, are going. Mm. So, mm. so there's more of a blank. So, one thing that a book like Unapologetic now would need to talk into is is even less kind of literacy in what the old answers mm. to complicated human problems yeah. used, used mm. to be. Um, but also, they'd need to talk into all of the new kinds of enchantment which we're being which we're being offered. Um, um, and I'm not really not the person to do it. I'm, I am, I am too old to, to, to speak vigorously into, into the kind of the, you're, you're being slightly coy about what those new enchantments are, but are you thinking of the sort of, the ideology, Um, some of these kind of, you know, ideologies currently floating around around identity and sexuality and everything else or, not necessarily no but more what 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 they represent developments of what is what is behind them um yeah which are which are attempts attempts at 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 human perfectionism again i think um Mm. but but in in new forms it's right a heresy um um it's Pelagianism. It's the idea that, that that we can hoist ourselves by our own bootstraps, and that any transformation we require, we are capable of right. ourselves. And I, I, it, it, it hasn't been true ever, but it is culturally potent, um, and it is, and it is, it is the simple answer to 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 the broken heart. It it it. it 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 offers to mend things by going you're very powerful right. and it is mm. it is only a consequence of of oppression that you feel sad and that if right. we if we took it away you'd be great mm. um and sometimes you know oppression is a real of thing course. that's yes. why i don't i don't i i mean i some there are generous things in contemporary culture which i'd want to applaud but i um it's not necessarily going to be the the answer in in that sense to no. to the old human problem of quite. Well, I mean, in any plausible society, humans will be humans, and that means that we will be coping with with our our propensity to f things up, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the institutional consequences yeah. of those as well, because we aren't solitary creatures, mm. so we we we. We we live surrounded by all of the the complex, multi generational products of our of our tendency to 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 f things yeah. up in in public as well as private ways. Yeah. Um, um, but that, again, that sounds too simple. And as the, yeah. that, that, I I would my manifesto would be for would be for generous curiosity um, mm. and to 
to to kind of to to look for the sympathetic good in absolutely yeah. everything. But the truth is, I don't know how to name contemporary enchant uh, contemporary enchantments well, um, and I I can feel that I am passing out of of kind of tactile, quick sympathy with with what's in the head of a 20-year-old yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and somebody who knows the answer to that mm. needs to be writing mm. into that, not me. <clears throat> I'm terribly old. <laughs> we still want a few books out of you before you pop your clogs. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, All so right. yeah, I can do that. We should wrap things up with uh, one final question. If You're that's not going okay. to ask me to sing, are you? <laughs> If no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sing. Um, that could be a, a brand new part of the podcast. Each how week. we end every podcast. Yeah, how yeah. do you think Marilyn Robinson would feel about that? I'm not her? sure. I'm, uh, I'm tempted to, to not ask her because okay. she might cancel the recording. So, yeah, yes. like that. Yeah. Okay, that's not, let's keep it much more tame. Right. We've spoken about reenchantment just sort of very briefly. Um, writing, words, stories, all of that is your thing. And, and, very much, I love all of that. So I'm wondering, what would reenchantment in that sphere look like? Mm. Oh, the cheap answer is like my next. Book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure um, your publicist I, would love that answer. No, but um, I, I am going to write a fantasy novel next because 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 the burgeoning of, of fantasy is one of the ways that the world desperately tries mm. to to, yes. to re-enchant itself. It's yes. interesting. Yeah. As a as literal belief in magic vanishes, kind of metaphorical belief in yes. magic sells a million copies. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah. that's not my motive for doing it. Um, <laughs> but wouldn't hurt. But um, <laughs> but um, but I'm interested I'm interested in 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 what a less realistic kind of imagination mm. could do. So, I'll, mm. um, but I make books. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, I, I fight heard cultural battles. I just. I make objects. I. I. I'm. I whittle. So it's, I'm going to all go and whittle. I think that whittling does fight. You know. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a fascinating conversation, mm. uh, Francis, and I, I hope whatever. The next book is um, that I, I know that I will be reading it and being enchanted. Um, mm. So, so thank you for coming on, and and yeah, I uh, thank you for for what you do in your sphere to to help other people kind of encounter something bigger than the world in front of them. Mm. Um, so it's been a fascinating conversation, and I I hope we can have another one, perhaps in ten years when you have written this follow up to Unapologetic. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. You know that's recorded. There's proof of that now, you yes, know. Yes, absolutely. We'll get on to the publisher immediately. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great to talk. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Reenchanting Podcast. In these early episodes, it makes a huge difference if you can rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening. And it helps others to discover the show. You can also find more episodes, articles and resources at seenandunseen.com. See you next time.